Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. But before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. 2020 was one a heck of a year that saw many businesses double down on virtual content creation and even more businesses fall to the wayside, unfortunately. But if you already have a platform, a podcast, a YouTube channel, and you are ready to shift into 2021 to begin creating more content that breaks through the noise, be sure to check out Nightly Productions and find out how how we can help you stop wasting time and money on the content that doesn't deliver. Now for today's guest, he began his investing journey with a duplex and continued to purchase smaller properties until he found the power of partnerships by actually partnering with an ex-NFL player from California. And with their combined efforts, they were able to close a 38-unit apartment complex joint venture style in his own backyard of St. Louis, Missouri, back in October of 2019. Now, after seeing those results of the of the 38 unit and gaining some experiences within the larger property, started to to build some momentum and started building a, a nice little rock star routine and wanted to take down even larger deals through this process called syndication. And his team actually closed their first 506B syndication of a 76 unit apartment complex in St. Louis in October of 2020. That's right in the middle of COVID. And now he's looking to increase his portfolio, focusing in the St. Louis, uh, St. Louis area and expanding to additional markets throughout the Midwest and Southeast, focusing on value-add opportunities with the development of green forest capital, real estate investing with a conscience. He has almost a decade of experience as a property manager, realtor, commercial uh, leasing agent, asset manager, and commercial property broker. Please give a warm welcome to Lee Ford. Taylor, that was the longest intro I think you've ever given, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> you know, that is <laughs> was long- amazing. <laughs> that is the longest intro I think I, I've given as well, but also one of the be- <laughs> one of the best intros, and I think one of the most energetic intros I've ever had too. You know, there was so much going on in there. You know, but you know, I, what I loved about that intro is it sort of just like painted just this process of where you started, and even now to you know you doing bigger and better things. But even with that lengthy intro. I'd love to get to know uh, your side of the story and how you even got into real estate in the first place. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to be a million dollar listing real estate agent. That's Mm. what I wanted to do. Uh, I was in Florida at the time and in a small beach town, Destin, Florida. And there's only two ways to be a six figure earner in a beach town in Florida. You can either be a doctor, a lawyer, or you can sell million dollar listings. And I was going to do that. But then I sat up in houses for six months, twiddled my thumbs, waiting for, you know, somebody to walk in and say, I'll take it. And needless to say, that didn't happen. So, 
my broker comes to me and she says, I've got 20 houses under management with our management group. The guy who's running it is leaving. Do you want to take over these 20 houses? And I said, absolutely. I haven't eaten. I haven't gotten a payday in six months. Let's figure out a way for me to get a payday. So I took over 20 houses. And over the course of about four years, I built that up to 220 doors under management and brought on, you know, leasing and full-time assistant and really rocked that property management company out was simultaneously selling my clients their properties and for them selling them on the open market. Brought some, it was really inspired by their successes in real estate investments, learned a lot of great lessons with other people's properties on other people's time as a property manager and decided to go into investing, moved to St. Louis, Missouri to be closer to family and to start investing in a market where I felt like I could make a big splash. So 2017, I started with a duplex and fast forward to this day, I have 125 doors. Nice, 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 nice. And, uh, you know, I would love to, you know, dive into, I mean, cause, cause you had a lot of experience with, you know, you know, managing all these different types of doors and even scaling up to the, the 220 mark and then going into the, the duplex. Right. And I feel like the, the common conception or perspective is, okay, I'm going to start with these smaller properties from here and then sl- like slowly just add on. Now, what, was the experience and mind shift that you had when you were like, you know what, I want to go bigger and even better? Absolutely. I, when I first started investing, I stuck my head in the sand. I dedicated myself to what was right in front of me, put one foot in front of the other, kind of set my head down and just said, duplex, house, or family, follow the steps that normal people do. And then I started surrounding myself with amazing people like Jake and Gino and Rod Cleef at their live events. And that inspired me to take it to the next level. I surrounded myself with some amazing people here locally that had done big, amazing things in investing and realized that if I was going to scale up, I needed to put the best people behind me and alongside me, and I needed some amazing partners. So I went out and steeped what I needed, and I found some awesome people to work with and be my partners on this investing journey. Now, did you find um, you know, the the ex NFL player through these mentorship programs, or um, was this through uh, a friend or you know, someone that you knew beforehand? We actually met on Bigger Pockets on the what? forum. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he was uh, investing in a four. He bought a four family in St. Louis and was, you know, asking questions about investing in St. Louis. And mm. I messaged him. He lives outside of Sacramento. I was visiting my family in Sacramento on a ski trip, and we sat down for coffee. And a three-hour coffee meeting later, we were, you know, partners, and we were going to hit the ground running and find some great deals here in St. Louis and. You know, we were off to the races after that first coffee meeting. Nick, uh, if you don't mind, I'd love to just like dive into just that first coffee meeting because since I am still new and in diving into this industry, uh, something that you know I always hear and and talk about is, or, or the thoughts that even come into my head is, you know, what really determines like if if you do want to be a partner with someone for this deal. So, so what are some of the characteristics that you saw that were like, you know what, let's, 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 let's take down some deals together. 
So whenever I speak to someone who's just getting started or looking to find a, an amazing partner that compliments them, I suggest they look at themselves first. Hmm. So first, look at yourself. Realize what your strengths are. What do you bring to a team? Whether it's money, capital, the ability to raise capital, or understanding of the physical asset of real estate or how to run or property manage a piece of real estate or location. Ideally, both of those things combined is the best possible thing for someone who doesn't have the capital or the ability to raise money or the ability to find deals. The next one is be where the deals are and know how to run one. So really, there's only three major roles on a syndication or a JV deal, and it's finding the deal having the money to close on it and being close to the deal and knowing how to run it. And, you know, those three heads are, can be one person, but generally I find it so powerful when you have three people that check each box independently if possible. Mm. So if you're not like, for example, you live in Sacramento, I can't find a way to rationally uh, invest in real estate multifamily in Sacramento myself personally and still achieve cash flow. So I would guide you in the direction, unless you have an extremely high net worth, which I don't know if you do or not, but I would say go find people that uh, <laughs> go find people that do. Uh, you know, okay. go find yeah. people that you can raise capital from in Sacramento that want to deploy their money somewhere else, and then go find someone who has the net worth to be able to be approved for the loan. And then go find someone in the market where you want to be investing. And Mm. now you've got a powerful team to take down some really seriously awesome deals. And then the only issue with having three people participating on a deal is that the deal needs to be so big that it needs to be worth it for everyone to be involved. So now you got to go after a bigger deal like 30 units or larger just to make it worth your time. Got it. And so for this 38 unit where you partnered with that person, the, I, I keep referring to him as yeah. the ex NFL player. <laughs> no, um, he's a great guy. His name is Garrett. <laughs> oh, Garrett. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, so then he was just to put it out there, then your role was he was, you were in the location that he wanted to invest in. And then he yep. was over in California and also knew a lot of other high net worth individuals, assuming that, you know, yep. he was in the NFL. I mean, it's not like they're, <laughs> they're making minimum wage. <laughs> so no, definitely not. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. And so, you know, diving into that first 38 unit deal then, and well, beforehand, let's, I would love to just break down the difference between a, a joint venture and a syndication, because just for my audience that doesn't know, there is a difference. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, let's, let's just break that down just real, real simple. And then uh, we can move forward just to get into the, to more of the details, the nitty gritty details. So joint venture would just be a standard everyday partnership. It generally can be structured with an operating agreement that's signed by all three, three, four-ish, five, 10, 12, however many partners you choose to have. Mm -hmm. Usually it's, you know, just a partnership. Then you, and the structure of the ownership is determined by in writing on the operating agreement. And in many cases, it's based upon ownership is based upon the amount of capital or sweat equity each partner brings to the table. Then joint uh, a syndication 
is an actual legal term by the SEC and the IRS where it has to be filed and registered with the SEC and certain, there are two different major, there's I'd say the 506 section of the U.S. tax code shows that you can do like a 506B, 506C, so on and so forth. We did a 506B, which means we can legally go out and raise capital from passive limited partner investors to invest on our deals. So uh, we actually structured on my most recent deal, 506B, which prevents us from marketing to anyone at all. And we can only do business and bring on limited partners who are we have a substantial relationship with prior to starting the raise of the capital. But it does give us the ability to bring on partners that are not accredited investors. And of course, an accredited investor is someone who makes a quarter million dollars a year, has a million dollars in net worth outside their personal residence or holds a Series 7, Series 66, or Series 85 license. So almost any financial advisor is an accredited investor now with a new change in definition of accredited investor. So at the end of the day, we now will be focusing a lot of our attention on 506B syndications, where we can go out and recruit accredited investors who have busy jobs and busy lives and give them the ability to invest in our real estate deals and take advantage of the most tax-advantaged investment that I know of on the planet Earth. Right. So so for these syndications, definitely you can ta- take on larger deals uh, and you can bring on passive investors, whereas for JVs, joint ventures, everyone has to have a role and you can't raise from LPs and, and passive investors. Got it. Precisely. Okay. Yeah, no, good to know. So then this, you know, I'd love to just talk about this, this 38, you know, this 38 deal that you, that you had with your partner then, like, how did, how did it go? Is, is it, <laughs> uh, how did you yeah. find, guys find, find the deal? We found it as an expired listing. We were working with a broker based out of California, commercial guy. He was searching any high and low for us working hard and found us an off-market deal from, through a broker who had an expired listing the year prior. Reached out to the broker, would he be interested in selling? Uh, yes, I would be interested in, you know, the seller would be interested in entertaining an offer. I went and toured the property. We wrote an LOI, started moving forward with offers, went to the back and forth, did physical financial due diligence dance. I got the property to the closing table using regional bank debt, and we raised the capital together. The two of us contributed all the capital we needed to close on the deal. We did incorporate some creative aspects of the purchase, uh, like credits. So credits for deferred maintenance are applied towards the, the equity or the capital required to close. So we... At the negotiation of physical due diligence, realized there were some, you know, deferred maintenance on the property. So we ended up negotiating a $55,000 credit on the sale. So our uh, drastically decreased the amount of money we had to bring to the table to close. So mm. it's always a good, don't negotiate the purchase price, negotiate credits at the sale. Negotiate credit at the sale. Got it. Now, do, do y'all still own the, own the property? Or did y'all sell? We it? do. Yeah. Nice. No, it's the plan is a refine roll. It's a value add refine roll deal. We bought it. It's six thirty eight one bedroom one bathroom apartments. The average rent at the purchase was four twenty five. We go in and when we turn over an apartment, we touch every surface. We make you know we do gray walls and white trim and nice white shaker cabinets and update everything. 
and we raised the rent from, you know, the original tenants were paying about $400 a month on, you know, the ones that were leaving. Mm-hmm. And we were reletting those apartments for 580 a month. And now we're getting 610 and we're going to be pushing those rents at the remodel up to 625 per unit that's been remodeled across what we've done that to 24 units of the 38 and then renewed leases across the board, raising the rent on tenants who were existing, proving that we were, that it was worth to live there by investing into the common area spaces of the property. Long story short, we raised the rents at purchase from 15000 a month in collections to now over 21000 a month in collections during COVID, maintained almost 100% occupancy the entire time. And now we're going and we're adding on little fun amenities that are going to add additional income, like assigned parking and a laundry room and storage units. Yeah. Once we do that and we really maximize the value, we'll go refi the property, put it under a Freddie Mac small balance loan, extract the capital, and we will ideally be paying ourselves back the original entire investment on that deal. We haven't gotten a single paycheck since the day we bought it. So it's been oh, 18 months since we bought it and neither of us had seen a single dollar in return on investment on the property. We've just reinvested all of our cash flows. Wow. And uh, when we do the refi, we're going to get all of our money back and then it'll be infinite return for the rest of our lives. That is a, that sounds like a deal. I mean, that's, that sounds like a, a very, very good deal. I mean, the fact that you guys are able to force your appreciation and then still add, you know, other forms of income, you know, with laundry storage unit uh, or whatever, like that sounds like, it sounds like a solid deal. Now, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, were there any big troubles or, or obstacles that y'all faced with this deal? And and the reason why I ask is because I would love to know um, sort of just like the transition from going from the J from the JV side over to the syndication side. So, you know, bring, bring this back over to, to JV. What are some, what were some of the struggles that and obstacles that y'all saw? Oh, on a, on a tenant base, we saw everything from oh, pimps geez. and hookers and drug addicts and hey, drug dealers. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. To, <laughs> you know, to people that, you know, were sleeping outside of the apartment or, you know, not, not a good place. A $400 rent apartment is not a good, a wonderful place, but it, we, it was in the path of progress. I saw the, potential of the neighborhood and the location of this property. There was a lot of great growth happening in the surrounding communities. So knew where we could take the take this property. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it's a whole nother a whole nother place today. It is completely different and much better and a much better place for people to live now that we've improved every surface of the common areas and almost every surface of the entire interiors of the apartments. We also updated all of the electrical panels to all new, you know, up-to-date breaker boxes and all new meters and security fencing and lighting throughout the complex and new mailboxes and paint and hardscaping and landscaping, you name it. We've done a ton of work to the property. And that's where all of our, what would have been cash flows went with, Mm. as opposed to us you know, being able to collect income on this property over 18 months, we've reinvested 100% of it back into the property and then some. And yeah, 
Yes, specific. So we had a fire in one of our apartments. Oof. One of our tenants decided uh, this is what the neighbor across the street told me when I arrived there on Saturday morning is that I saw her walk it, walking down the hallway and she said, I'm I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to burn this place to the ground. And she walked into her apartment, walked out and within five minutes, walked out with her dog and a small satchel bag. And then within about three minutes, the blinds were crinkling. And then he called the fire department. Oh, so, you know, there was the cause was Ooh. unknown. Oh, no. <laughs> but pretty sure it was arson. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I shouldn't be. But my insurance company, you know, that's what insurance is for. Thank God. Thank God it didn't. Nobody got hurt. No animals, no pets, no humans. The apartment, was, it's a single story. So nobody lives above or below. And the firewall, there was a, there's a firewall in between the apartments. So none of the other apartments were affected, but yeah, there was a big rigmarole and pain. And we had to go through the process of an insurance claim, you know, that was very, very expensive to go through the process, make the claim and then put the apartment back together. But, you know, you, it's another learning lesson and you use it as an opportunity to, learn and grow and now when it happens on the next property i'll know exactly what to do and it you know i'm not going to say it won't be a big deal but it won't be the first time i will have dealt with it so you learn a lot on that or i learned a lot on the first one i also hope you never have to deal with that ever again because <laughs> that sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like yeah. a, it sounds terrifying yeah, but i guess you know that's why there are also these options of being a passive investor for these larger deals so you don't have to deal with yeah some of these other tenants. Now transitioning over into the syndications and the 76 unit that you got, bring it back just to to square one. I'd love to just know how you built that team and how you leveraged the team that you created to take this down. Absolutely. So I started by, you know, basically just networking with people within the communities and the groups that I've been involved with, Jake and Gino, Rodcliffe Warrior Group, Facebook, my local real estate investing groups. I've networked and met a ton of amazing people. And when it came time for the next big deal, I had an idea about who I wanted to work with. I brought on my mom's best friend's son, and he's a great guy, knows how to build a business, built a, a, logistic, a logistics business out of college. And uh, grew it to something just amazingly, you know, wonderful and sold it and walked away and was able to, you know, basically retire at 40 and wanted to get into real estate investing. And he understood that he needed somebody in the field who knew how to run a property, who knew how to underwrite and find and negotiate the purchase of a property. So it worked really well. I know how to run a property. I know how to underwrite a property. I know how to reposition a property. And he qualifies for financing and, you know, has the ability to raise capital and backs me up and, you know, so on and so forth. Then the two of us, uh, we identified another partner and he was the primary capital raising partner. He went and raised capital from a number of investors that came into our deal passively. So I could focus on what I do best, which is find the property, get it from contract to close, 
and then asset manage the heck out of that thing while we're repositioning it and for the foreseeable future. He focuses on raising capital and on maintaining the relationships with our limited partners. Mm-hmm. And then 10,000 foot view, you know, where are we pointing the ship? That is my other partner, Chris. He he points the ship and he's the captain. He drives, you know, determines which direction the boat is going. You know, I'm the guy who's making sure that the boat's, you know, not leaking and is running properly and the engines are running well. <laughs> and uh, and our other partner, Marvin, he's just shoveling coal into the engine, you know, making sure we can get there. Hmm. Got to have all of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like a rockstar team. And it sounds like y'all were very well prepared when y'all were taking down this 76 unit. And so uh, was this. I'm assuming this was an off-market deal. Is that correct? How'd you How'd you guys find it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a local friend of mine who does wholesaling knew the seller and knew the seller was entertaining or being willing to entertain offers. He knew I was an active investor in town, so he put the two of us together. He actually got a pretty sweet payday out of it. Uh, you know, more than what most people earn in a year off of one deal, just basically an introduction and. Uh, I ended up with a wonderful property and the seller was able to give an amazing return to his investors as well. Sometimes you got to sell or choose to sell because it's the best thing for your investors. And sometimes it's the best. It's a good time to buy because now it's time for my team to take the property to the next level. Hmm. And so he was, if, if you don't mind me asking then, what was his motivation to sell? Was it just the right time for him to get the best returns for his investors? And that's why he was trying to get yeah. out of it? Okay, got it. I believe so. You know, also COVID is a time when it would be a great place to bring a great return to your investors and step away from a C-class property and all of that. So he did a great job of repositioning it from an even worse position or mm-hmm. worse place financially. I uh, used bridge debt to be able to buy it. And it was a massive undertaking lease up play on his end. And then I stepped in and I'm going to take over the reins and bring the property from, you know, from let's say stage two to stage five. Wow. So this is a, this is a heavy lift. <laughs> It'll be a pretty sizable one at the end of the day. We'll be doing all new roofs, all new gutters, all new downspouts. Uh, we'll resurface the parking lot. We'll, Patch seal stripe the parking lot, new land, updated landscaping throughout the complex, paint all of the common areas. Every time we turn an apartment over, we're doing the, you know, the two tone paint and the counters and the cabinets and brush nickel hardware and six panel doors. Uh, and we're mo- moving those rents from an average of, oh, about 650, 675 to a re, now our remodeled apartments, we've been successfully leasing those for 830 a month. So we're getting about $150 rent bump for investing about six grand into each apartment. Mm, wow. And then how long are you all planning to, to hold this thing for? Like, what's the business plan looking like? This is going to be a long-term hold. So mm. our syndication plan is to do a refi and roll equity capture. So what we do is we provide our limited partners with a double-digit preferred return right out the gate. Uh, and then they have a capped accrued return a few points above that. So they're capped. And then we go and we do a refi at the refi when we've created the value and added, you know, forced the appreciation. Uh, we'll execute a refi, take the equity from the refi, 
pay off all of the limited partners and recapture all their equity and hold that property for the long run. Mm, got it. Okay, cool, cool. Well, thank you for sharing. And then, you know, before I, I want to, before I go into just like what y'all are focusing on now and what Green Forest Capital is looking, looking into, one question that did come up in my head, and this is dialing back just a few conversations ago, was uh, you mentioned that you were in both Rod Cleef and Jake and Gino's group. And so, you know, I've heard people usually just take one or the other, but I've never actually met one person that has done both. And so I was wondering as to why you did both. <laughs> yeah. So, well, first of all, there's there's lessons to be learned from every experience in every group. I love networking. I love networking. And it's a great way to be able to meet other investors, invest in yourself. I've learned such amazing things from the Jake and Gino group, and I've learned such amazing things from the Rod Cleef group. And there aren't very many members that do both, but you'll, they'll have people that go to the both conferences or both, you know, live events or whatever. But I love participating in, you know, in both organizations because it gives me the ability to tap into the tools and the people involved and each group has something great to offer, whether it be a different syndication attorney. You know, when we came time for our syndication, I asked both both groups, like, who do you use? And there, you know, one had, you know, Team A had, you know, had, or Broadcleaf had, you know, one guy and Jake and Gino had another group and I interviewed both of them and we ended up going with, you know, one or the other. And it was great to be able to have options that way and have people to turn to no matter what. Yeah. Well, what what I really am very impressed with you, Lee, is that just the power of networking and in, in the value that you see within your network, you know, because I mean, for, you know, looking, looking at just like the initial costs of, let's say, just like Rod Cleef and, and Jake and Gina, like a lot of people would think, like, oh, I would never pay that much. But then you, you really see it as an investment and also just the importance of just being able to have access to all these different types of people and different types of partnerships that really leverage you to move forward into creating what the success that you've created now. And, you know, I wanted to dive into it just like actually just a little bit more even getting uh, deeper into yeah. the details as to was there an experience that you've had that you realized that you can't do this on your own? I was sitting at lunch with my banker hmm. and I was explaining the difficulty of me being able to get financing as a 1099 employee. I'm a real estate agent. That's what I do for my day job. And they're not really, we're, we are independent contractors and we don't have a predictable income. So it's very hard to finance property purchases with standard conventional mortgages when you are a real estate agent. Therefore, I had to change what type of loan I was going after. He explained it to me, he said, Lee, stop trying to get conventional loans on four families. Just, just go after a commercial loan because it's based upon the property's performance and not your performance. And I said, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So what do I have to do to get approved for, you know, what type of loan, you know, for this? And he goes, well, first of all, the loan minimum is going to be a million bucks, basically. You're going to want to go after a million dollar loan or higher. And I go, okay, cool. Yeah, no problem. What do I got to do to that? And he's like, well, the partners have to be worth at least a million dollars. And I said, well, I'm not worth a million dollars. Not yet. Okay. 
he goes, I go, so what, what else? And he goes, well, one of you got to have experience owning or managing similar property. So you have to be worth at least minimum the loan amount. You also have to be, have the experience of owning or managing proper, similar type property. And I go, okay, what else? And he goes, well, liquidity. You have to be able to show that the partners have enough liquidity, liquid capital available and earnings available to keep the property afloat for you know, years at a time. And I go, okay, well, I make money and I have some money, but not enough money to cover it. And I know how to, I have the experience of owning and running a property management company. So what do I need? And he said, you need somebody with more money than you and somebody who is willing to put up a decent amount and earns a decent amount as well. I go, okay. So I go find somebody who had a high net worth, higher than my own, and who had a high income earning level higher than my own, who needed somebody who was experienced. And I checked the experience box and I had capital to be able to invest in the deal and a solid amount of net worth as well. Wow. And then look, look where you are now for Green Forest Capital, <laughs> taking yep. down deals. Yep. And so, you know, now now switching gears back to Green Forest Capital and what y'all are focusing on now, what is it that y'all mm-hmm. are focusing on now? So right now we're doing joint ventures in 20 to 50 door size. And then we're doing syndications from 50 to 150 door in size, primarily focused on the central Midwest and the sub the, and the Southeast, the Sun Belt, specifically based essentially from Tampa up the East coast of Florida to Charleston. Got it. Got it. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. And if people want to reach out to you and learn, you know, learn more about what Greenforce Capital is doing and, you know, possibly invest in one of your deals or even be partners, where can they reach you? Yeah, they can give me a call or shoot me a text 850-797-1307 or email me at email at greenforestcapital.com or they can go to my website, greenforestcapital.com and book an appointment to sit down and have a conversation with me about how I can help you reach your, you know, real estate goals. Cool. Sounds good. And I'll definitely put that in the show notes and make sure to tune in next week because Lee's going to be joining me again for the action items on how we can actually start investing in, into, into multifamily real estate, whether we want to be active, passive, if we have a lot of cash or if we don't have a cash. So thank you, Lee, again for, for joining us and everyone else. I'll, I'll see you next time. Oh, wait. Thanks, Taylor. Hold on. I forgot my last question. Oh, geez. Dang. This is like my, my own show, and I forgot my last question. Last question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you think you would be good at just uh, remembering the, the the flow of what you want to want to do after doing this, you know, the solid 12 other times. But – Let's 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 backtrack one more time. Backtrack one more time. So um, the last question that I that I forgot to ask you is is a legacy question. So you're doing all of this now. What is the legacy that you want to leave in the world, and how do you want your family to remember you by? I have my primary legacy goal is I want to provide a wonderful, safe, clean, modern, affordable place for a thousand families to live. And then my secondary goal is I want to plant one million trees in our national parks. Mm. Now, if you don't uh, mind me asking, like, why the trees? Like, why, what brought you to, to this purpose? Yeah. Yeah, I was a Boy Scout and I'm an avid hiker and I love, love, love and appreciate our national parks. I found an organization that plants one tree for every single dollar that you donate to them. It's called One Tree Planted. 
And if you donate a single dollar, they will plant a tree in your name. And you're in a location of your choice. My choice is our national parks. And many of our national parks have suffered victim to horrible national forest fires or huge forest fires. Mm. And we need to do our best to uh, replant those forests and maintain our uh, most valuable national treasure. Wow. Awesome. Beautiful. Wow. I love that. I didn't know you were a Boy Scout either. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Real estate investing Boy Scout. (laughs) Nice. I like it. (laughs) But anyways, uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Definitely reach out to Lee. uh, That'll be in the show notes and I'll see you in a few days on Friday. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.